Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you start at ExpressPros.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live and direct from Sin City, site of Mayweather McGregor. Might be a sham. It might. It might be another con, or it might be the upset we have been waiting for in uh, in collegiate sports, like a 16 taking down a one, right? A one double A FCS taking down an FBS. It might be, or it might be a complete waste of time. I, I, I don't know. We'll find out Saturday night. We'll continue to bring you some of the voices that will be covering it. And, of course, we'll be covering the rest of the world of sports today on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Charles Davis going to join us upcoming 15 minutes. NFL on Fox analyst. We'll ask him about uh, quarterback play. Rookie quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, second-year quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers in the elite quarterback territory, the, the quarterback tiers. Lots to talk about with Charles Davis. He'll join us in 15 minutes. Brian Kenny will join us in an hour. Um, he is a baseball savant working for the MLB Network. Not sure if you saw how the Pirates beat the Dodgers in 10 innings. Rich Hill, a no-hitter, was uh, wiped out with one swing of the bat. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff last night. And uh, Gary Sanchez with the Yankees continues to cement himself as Mr. August. We'll tell you why with Brian Kenny. Plus, 
course, a guy who has boxing chops. We'll get his thoughts on the validity of McGregor hopping into the ring and out of the octagon with Floyd Mayweather. Brian Kenny in an hour. Uh, so, look, there's actually some interesting stories going on here. And I guess, I guess I'm going to jump back into the rabbit hole that is Colin Kaepernick. I just keep, it's like the mafia, right? I just keep trying to climb it. They just, they just keep bringing me back in, right? Like, I'm trying to go legitimate and, and talk about guys actually playing in the National Football League, and they just keep bringing it. So yesterday there was a, a demonstration in front of NFL headquarters to bring back Colin Kaepernick. You know, Colin Kaepernick does not have a place in the league. More than 1,000 people, many wearing jerseys bearing Kaepernick's name crowded the streets outside of the NFL's Midtown Manhattan offices. Oh, that's all we need is more traffic in Midtown. I mean, chance of the demonstration included boycott, boycott. There's a reverend, Jamal Bryant, said, uh, how in the world can we call ourselves the land of the free, the home of the brave, and get vilified and criminalized for just speaking your mind? The NFL has proven their treatment of Colin Kaepernick that they do not mind if black players get a concussion. They got a problem if black players get a conscience. These are strong words and strong statements. But instead of going down the rabbit hole of, hey, look, there's been players demonstrating since Colin Kaepernick. None of them have been cut. Instead of pointing out that Colin Kaepernick did, in fact, opt out of his contract, and he would have been cut from that contract in San Francisco anyway, but he would have been cut. He opted out of the contract he had. Instead of pointing out Colin Ta- Kaepernick had previously lost his job, he hasn't actually been that good since 2013. Instead of pointing out that Shady McCoy, running back, black running back, in the National Football League, and I don't know if that actually matters, but in this case I guess it does, as much as we were waiting for NFL players waiting for a, a white player to take a knee, you're also waiting for a black player to come out and go like, hey, you know, maybe it's because Colin Kaepernick's not that good, and that's what Shady McCoy said. He's like, some of it, I think, has to do with the, with the protest, distraction that comes to the protest. But a lot of it is he's just not that good, not good enough to put up with all the other stuff. August 25th, 2017, LaShawn Shady McCoy is the voice of reason. Is it 24th? Is it? No, I think it's 25th. Not 24th, my bad. <laughs> That'd be my bad. That's Ryan Music. Help me out. Good, good production there. But... Look, to me, the, the smart point to make is this. Is this really how Colin Kaepernick wants to get a job? Right? Why'd you guys sign Kaepernick? Oh, he loved him all along. What do you mean you loved him all along? Well, yeah, like, wait, so a thousand people, many of whom have nothing to do with football, who claim they're going to boycott it? Like, look, everybody says, everybody, when, they, when you get mad, you'll say anything. I got my car towed from Whole Foods. Now, Whole, Whole Foods overcharges me by at least $5 every time I... They've actually been found to overcharge people, right? Been found to be negligent. They were just bought by Amazon. So at some point, I'll be able to get my totally organic food without going through my grunge guy who works at the counter. I got my car towed from Whole Foods two days ago. And I said, this will be the last time I shop here. Now, I made sure to say here, meaning this particular Whole Foods, but it is kind of a hop, skip, and a jump from our radio offices. And so while I huff and puff and pushed out my chest, the fact is when push comes to shove and I'm really, really hungry and I want to get something that might actually seem like, even if it's not good for me, 
I'm going to go down and get my Cava Crazy Feta Cheese from Whole Foods because that's the only place they sell the damn stuff. <laughs> the point is that if there's any real football fan out there or even quasi-football fan, you're like, I'm not going to watch it. Like, okay, either one. If you don't watch football, I, 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 I can't really have a conversation with you. Like, I don't, I don't watch Sports Guy. It's not somebody that I'm going to hang with anyway. And a lot of us say we're going to do is one thing, and the truth is we're not. Football's on. What, you're going to tell me you're going to watch Bachelor in Paradise? My. But if, is this really how Colin Kaepernick wants to get a job? And by the way, this only points out why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. It's not hiring him. It's if you don't play him, are there going to be demonstrations? Well, you're not playing him because of his protest. And then what if he's not any good and you want to cut him? You know, they cut him because of his protest. You know, that's not, it's not how you want to get a gig. And we as, when you work somewhere, you don't love it when there's nepotism. You know, the owner's son, coach's son. I was a coach's son growing up playing basketball. My dad always, and it was harder to be a coach's son than it was to be a regular player. Why? Because there always are the thought in the back of teammates' head. The only reason he's playing is because he's the coach's son. So my, it was harder on me because my dad would be twice as hard on me as he would other kids because he wanted to prove that he could be hard, harder on me than he would be other kids. But just, like, imagine the mentality of Colin Kaepernick, who, among other things, he has a sense of pride. Like, all of a sudden, the team's going to pick up the phone and go, like, hey, dude, you want to come play for us? And whether it's real or perception, perception often becomes reality. And he only got a job after people started to protest who had nothing to do with football. Do you want to be that guy? I continue to contend that many of these people who have the right intentions at heart. Right? Like it's a good in, to, to rid the world or to, to eliminate as much police brutality as possible. I, I can't, that's a pretty good cause, right? There's other causes that are, you know, I mean, like I'd like to rid the world of cancer. Lost my dad to cancer. I'd like to rid the world of, you know, any childhood diseases. No kid should ever be sick. Like I, but anything you, one human does to another, if we can eliminate it or eliminate it, I'd like to limit racism. I'd also I'd like to eliminate uh, people who get pulled over shooting cops. Empowering criminals. Like, these are all things... But these are, these are reasonable causes. But when you have unreasonable protests from people who don't know anything about the sport coming in and saying, this is, I mean, how do you get vilified and criminalized for speaking your mind? He wasn't criminalized. Nobody criminalized Colin Kaepernick. He lost his job. He's had injuries. He's a bit of an odd fit. He's not the normal personality of a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, yeah, he protested. And when you're a borderline player and you take a stand, this, if anything, also points out just how bold a stand it was. He was risking his job. And he did, and now he can't get another one. And by crying foul, do you think you want to be – why did you guys sign Colin Kaepernick? Did you sign him because of the protest? You can say no, we all think – Otherwise, anyway. So it's a, it's a kind of fascinating case study on people trying to help somebody else out 
in a profession outside of their own that they don't really understand, it doesn't delegitimize the argument completely that he doesn't have a job because of taking a knee before the national anthem. But it also points out, hey, you're not really helping. You may think you're helping, but you're not. Because now, how would you like to be the team? How would you like to be the player? How would you like to be the player walking into a locker room that knows he only got that job because people protested and said he was somehow wronged by 32 NFL franchises? Charles Davis joins the show upcoming next. I'll ask him about Colin Kaepernick's talent. How talented is he? Does does the talent elevate him above the level that the distraction and that the discussion and that all the things that go with him would bring him down? Plus, I want to ask him about Deshaun Kaiser. Are they are they are they rushing the process in Cleveland yet again? Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson not starting now with the Houston Texans. What do we make of this young crop of quarterbacks? You'll find out upcoming next, but first, on Saturday, August 26th, the fight, the, the fight world's two biggest titans will clash. The undefeated, the legendary, and pound-for-pound boxer on the planet, the king of the ring, Floyd May- Money Mayweather, collides with UFC's lightweight champion, the best striker in the business, the king of the octagon, the notorious Conor McGregor. What happens when the greatest boxer of our generation steps into the ring with one of the world's most dangerous men? In a battle of the biggest names in the business, it's boxing's best meets the master of mixed martial arts. In an unprecedented matchup, when perfection meets power, something has to give. As these two face off in one of the most anticipated fights in history, will Floyd Mayweather Jr. at 49-0 with 26 knockouts remain undefeated? And can MMA superstar Conor McGregor silence his critics with just one punch? Unorthodox versus Southpaw, perfection versus power, confidence versus experience. Who will reign supreme? Mayweather-McGregor face off in a boxing match for the ages. Mayweather versus McGregor, Saturday, August 26th, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on pay-per-view. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live from Vegas, site of Mayweather McGregor. Let's check in with a good friend of the program. You'll see him, the NFL on Fox's coverage. Also works for the NFL Network. He's Charles Davis. He joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Charles, look, you've done this thing for a long time. You've covered the college game, and last year start uh, back covering the NFL game. Uh, Give me your sense. There's been a lot of talk about Kaepernick off the field, Kaepernick kneeling. You've watched Kaepernick play. You've evaluated him as a quarterback. Um, You know, the most people I've talked to said, hey, different guy since 2013, but there were moments last year in which he looked closer to that guy. What was your sense when you watched him last season of his – of how viable he was as a starting quarterback. Yeah, I don't dispute the evaluation that people have given you, Doug. I think that they're on track. But I was fortunate enough to be there for one of those moments that you talked about. And you might remember it was it didn't start well that week because they were they were in Miami to play. And you remember that was with the Castro T shirt 
and everything that went along with that. So that wasn't one of his finer moments as far as the city of Miami and the Cuban the Cuban uh, nation were feeling. And Armando Salguero, the, the top uh, beat writer for the Dolphins, wrote a, a scathing column that pointed out a lot of things that he needed to be aware of. But on the field that weekend, he, he looked more like the Colin Kaepernick that we knew from the previous time and almost – rallied San Francisco to a win. He got tackled on the two-yard line, I think, by Kiko Alonso on the last run. But he played well, threw it well, was in control. We saw the running game come back into play again with him. Things were clicking. Things were moving. Now, I don't believe he's the same guy as he was before. But if you take him, I think that you, you you know what you're getting and you know what you'll have to do offensively in order to maximize his skills. The, the, The tough part for him is, He's going to come in as a backup. No one's going to take him and say, I'm going to make you my starter and build things around him. So it's got to be a place where things will be easily accomplished, Doug, if he comes into the ballgame. That's why I thought Seattle was absolutely a perfect spot for him. Russell Wilson's different, but they can adjust that offense very easily to fit Colin Kaepernick's talents because if you look at the backup, Trevon Boykin, yep. he's more similar to, to Colin Kaepernick in that way although he's not nearly as fast and elusive as a runner, but not many people are, especially when you consider the size of Kaepernick. Yeah, so so why do you think that didn't? Like, look, I was told that Russell Wilson wasn't too hip on the idea of Kaepernick. Um, and there is the, you know, not that Russell Wilson's yeah. not secure as a starting quarterback, but, but why, why wouldn't that happen in Seattle? Remember, the, it was weird. He went up there and visited, and when he came out, you know, Pete Carroll said, well, well we think of him as a starter. And we already have a star. Well, if that's the case, right. then why did you bring him up? Why do you think that didn't make? You know, Doug, if, if we follow that line of what you've heard, and, you know, I have nothing to go off of that. You know, I didn't have anyone say that to me. But let's go ahead and trace a couple of things because that's what we do, right? You remember during that, there's still that little bit of turbulent time about how Russell Wilson is quote-unquote accepted. You know, they are, they're always the guys are always having to, you know, give answers about, how they feel about Russell Wilson, right? Right. You're always hearing that. So when you throw that out there, and then you also heard during that time a ton of support from that Seattle locker room about Colin Kaepernick, didn't you? So maybe that had something to play into it. Maybe there was that, if indeed that's how Russell felt. I don't know because I have not talked with him about that. And it just seemed like there was, was another false start because the other false start for me was in Baltimore. And that one didn't fit as well to me in terms of playing style because of what Baltimore does, although it could. All right, He's way different than Joe Flacco and Ryan Mallett. But because Baltimore likes to run the football, that's who they are, that's in their DNA, and they've gotten away from that recently, he would fit again because he's going to throw off a heavy play action and, and all of that. And you notice John Harbaugh seemed to be strong for him. Ozzie Newsom, the GM, seemed to be strong for him. Steve Bashadi, it seemed like it was a bit much to say pray for us. But I kept reflecting on this guy saying, you know, let's see, Ray Lewis, then I had Ray Rice. I don't know if I want to do this. And I really believe, Doug, that this is more coming from the top down. I think there's some GMs. I think there's some coaches in the league who would like to bring him in. But I think the ownership has told them no. And I will tell you, I talked with a GM recently, point blank, and said, you know, I don't think your backup quarterbacks are that great. And he said, well, we're very comfortable with what we have. And I said, well, what about Kaepernick? And it was a long pause, and then it was, we're very comfortable with what we have. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's him. It certainly sounds like maybe there's an edict from up, from up top, so we'll see how this plays out. It's funny because Charles, Charles Davis joined us NFL on Fox. One of the GMs I talked to said 
and this was this kind of reverberated in other conversations, said, hey, you know, I think if we brought him in, a lot of guys would be happy about it. It would be championed. Uh, but I also think that if you ever decided to cut him and move on or you didn't play him and your starter wasn't, that the same amount of support that he had could then be a little bit more divisive within the locker room through no fault of Colin's own. Like his popularity is, and is slightly polarizing, makes it it's harder to cut him than it is anybody else. And, uh, and, and that's not one. So it's, it's, a, it's really fascinating to that, watch. That is interesting. And let me just throw this, throw this at you, Doug, because I know you're a student of the game and history. Think about Colin Kaepernick and what he's done. And, and I think I've told you this before. When he first started doing this, I talked to my dad. Okay, who went through civil rights. My dad played black college football. All right, He was a quarterback, so he wasn't going to the so-called white schools. You get the whole idea, right? He told me that he would start a movement. And I didn't believe him. My dad hit it. Okay, He said, look, it's not going to be comfortable. And he said, Colin also has to be, and I remember this as clear as day, he said, Colin Kaepernick also has to be acutely aware, and if he's not, he should be, that he may, he may give up his own career for his beliefs. And right now, my dad is really on track about what he is saying. And to your point about the locker room, cutting him, this and that, it's a different style of when Tim Tebow hit a locker room, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because people want, you know, people like us would go talk to Tim Tebow after a game, and the starter wouldn't get any play. And after a while, that that wears on the locker room. Like Cole said, what about us? We played. He's not really affecting it. What's going on? And that became an issue for him through, again, no fault of his own. He's just being Tim Tebow. So it's a different deal and a different style. I can hear people screaming, you know, you can't put Kaepernick and Tebow in the same sentence. You absolutely you can. You heard what I said. You see it's a little bit different, but can be polarizing in the locker room. He's Charles Davis here from NFL on Fox. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I also see him on the NFL Network. Um, rookie quarterbacks are all the rage, right? Everybody wants yeah, to see the young, kid, the young kid play. And, and a lot of times the guy who they're trying to beat out does do do themselves no favor like Mike Glennon um, mm-hmm. Mike Glennon is a perfect example of that let's start with Mitchell Trubisky if if you were in that front office you're in that coaches those coaches office they open up with the Falcons the defending NFC champions who have loaded up on their defensive front granted they open up at home yep. Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who everybody believes is a massively improved team then the Steelers, not a great defense, but still the Steelers. Then they go on the road to the Packers, home to the Vikings, then on the road at the Ravens. Like, what do? You, how do you handle the Mitchell, the calls from Mitchell Trubisky to start right away? Well, if they listen, I've got. It's funny, funny you ask. I've got the Bears and Titans this weekend in a preseason game, and they just announced was it yesterday that Trubisky's going to get run with the first unit probably to start the second half which they had not thought about. They had not announced that they were going to do before. Previously, it was Mike Glennon, and we'll bring Mitchell along. They want to get a look at him. I would dare say that I would not be shocked if that changes even in-game on Sunday, that they move him up and play him in the first half with the, with the ones. And if they do, that signals to me that they're going to try and get him ready to play those games. Look, it, it, the, the easy thing would be Mike Glennon's going to play through that, that part of the schedule you're talking about. But if you really believe Trubisky's going to be your guy, he's going to have to take some bumps and bruises anyway. He's going to have to learn. We've had a number of quarterbacks who have started seasons that were rookies. Jameis Winston did. Mariota did the whole deal. And it didn't matter who was lined up across the field. Kaiser may very well do that in Cleveland. If they really believe that, that he gives them the best chance and, and they go, decide to go for it early, 
I say go ahead and play them. They're going to have to take those ups and downs anyway. I don't know about the protecting them because I feel like you put, you don't play them for three or four games and you put them in, you almost wasted three or four games because you were going to do it anyway. I think it's different in Houston with Tom Savage because it feels like he sees that job. But I still think Watson could be viable down the stretch. And Alex Smith, he's got to win some big games because Patrick Mahomes is coming. Yeah, the, the Mahomes thing, and I talked to some guys about Mahomes, and you saw him a bunch in college, so did I. I mean, look, he's just got more arm talent, uh, yep. more athletic talent than, than Alex Smith does, but he, there's so many other little things that he doesn't <laughs> yet know. Yeah, yeah, and... Tony's got to learn, but, but you know, Doug, you know, the reason that they moved up to 13 or whatever number it was to get him, I'm, I firmly believe, and I haven't sat down with Andy Reid or you know any of their front office, but I firmly believe that that Pittsburgh playoff game where they lost at home and did not give up a touchdown, got beat by field goals, I think that that was the real impetus for this thing because you can't be in that position where your quarterback doesn't take that shot sometimes to stick that bad boy in the end zone. Alex Smith's going to take care of the ball, going to be great with it. I think a lot of times he catches more flack than he should. But the ball doesn't get downfield very often. There's no arguing or disputing that. Mahomes is going to do that. Now you're going to come, as you said, there are plenty of mistakes that may come with it. But I think they drafted him to win those types of games later because sometimes you have to take the shot. Sometimes you've got, you can't just play it safe all the time. Third and seven and defense gives you six, you can't take six. Third and seven, you've got to take eight somehow. And that's what Mahomes gives you an opportunity to do. And I think Watson also has that potential in him as well. Charles Davis joining us, NFL on Fox uh, analyst. Also, you see him on the NFL Network. You mentioned you're preparing for Bears versus Titans. A lot of buzz about about uh, Jameis and what he's been able to do in Tampa. What about Mariota? Uh, part of it is it's Nashville. We don't cover it a lot. But it feels like he's ready to take that next step. But that's not the guys who have watched him on tape. You have. You're getting ready for the game. Where is uh, Mariota as a pro quarterback? He is ready to take the next step, and they drafted accordingly to try and help him do that. Don't know if Corey Davis, the number one pick, they took it number five, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Don't know when he will be ready. They're pushing to try and have him ready for the season opener. It may be later. We'll see. But he hasn't he hasn't worked out in the camp. But Taewon Taylor from Western Kentucky has come on and played well for them, gives them more speed in the lineup. And a tight end named Jonu Smith from Florida International, when you pair him with Delaney Walker, now you have more to more speed in the game, more options. Again, tight ends, but more like you know, big wide receivers who can get downfield. They're trying their best to increase those weapons because they're going to run the heck out of it, Doug. You know that. They're they're a smash mouth team to to quote a to quote an overused phrase. But they need something extra. They need to really be able to sting people downfield, make them pay for the eight people in the box. That's what Corey Davis was drafted for. That's what Taewon Taylor was drafted for. That's what John o. Smith was drafted for. They're surrounding him with those people. The offensive line's back intact, one of the best in football. And I've watched him this summer. I do their preseason package. Mm-hmm. He has grown as a quarterback from year two to year three. His health is back. He moves around well. He knows how to get rid of the ball and live to fight another down. But I think also the ability to throw it downfield will continue to increase. I think he's ready to take a jump. I know, uh, I know that Cam didn't play last week when you called that game. Yeah, uh, Christian McCaffrey did, but you talked mm-hmm. to everybody in the league and you've covered Cam enough. 
Look, he's coming back tonight from shoulder surgery, and anytime you say shoulder surgery, he, Andrew Luck, both kind of uh, coming off of shoulder injuries. It makes anyone queasy about a star quarterback. But there are parts of his play last year which were very uneven, and there wasn't the evolution from Cam Newton coming off the MVP to take a step to being a consistent dominant passer. Now, look, their line wasn't as good. The running game wasn't good. The defense sure as heck wasn't as good, and he had to do more. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cam Newton and how we should evaluate Newton tonight and Newton heading into the season? I'll make this one quicker than normal. Ron Rivera said at the end of last year, said it to me as I prepared for a broadcast, said it to the media in Carolina, that Cam would have to evolve similar to how Big Ben evolved, where he doesn't take so many hits in the pocket. You remember that, Doug. There's a big discussion about that. When Ron said that to me on the phone, I said, Coach, quick question. Have you talked to Cam about this? And he said, he just kind of chuckled and went, no, not yet, but, you know, we'll be getting into it in the offseason, the whole deal. Well, fast forward to this year. They draft McCaffrey, right? They draft Curtis Samuel. They bring in Matt Khalil to play left tackle. They draft Taylor Moton to play right tackle or guard, depending on how they want to utilize him. They've tried to increase that, and what they've told him essentially with that draft was, let's get rid of the ball faster, Cam. Let's get into the hands of these guys. Let's not take as many hits. But maybe we'll cut you down on the running game. Not totally out of it, but let's not make you a primary third and two guy. Do you remember Cam's first press conference of camp? Remember what they said? What he said when they asked him about you know all those things? Well, you know a lion's got to roar. So if they if he's not willing to make the step to change, that's where things are going to get interesting because they've done all the right things for him. Look, I watched him throw last week. He didn't throw a ton during practice, but I think he's on track. They're just being cautious with him and smart because maybe they got overextended early. I think he plays up to twenty plays tonight, Doug. I think he takes a, you know, I think he takes a shot downfield to make sure the arm's okay. I think he, you know, I doubt that they use him in the run game, but after that we'll see him for the season opener. But if he'll use those weapons around him now and adapt to what they're going to do offensively that Mike Shula is going to call, I think we can see Cam be closer to what we saw in the MVP year without him being as much of a primary ball carrier. But he's got to take those easy completions. Take him and up your percentage. He was, what, a 51% thrower last year? Yeah, that's not, and took, that is, way, too, and took that, way too many hits. Yeah. Get rid of the ball. Don't take the hits. I know you're Superman, but even Superman had some kryptonite, and in the NFL it's called a pass rush. Yeah. Well, listen, he needs to, needs to take on that Rocky Balboa from Rocky Four mentality, right? If I's contains and you's contains, we all can we all can change. change. Yeah, he was he was probably concussed. Uh, maybe not. Um, Charles, look forward to uh, hearing you on the call, and uh, can't wait to talk more with you. Getting ready for the NFL season. Thanks so much for being our guest, as always. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Doug. Always great to talk with you. Take care of yourself. Hope you're enjoying being back home in Cali. I am. That's Charles Davis. Of course, he's back home covering the Tennessee Titans. Played at UT um, uh, in uh, in Knoxville. I'm live on Radio Row. Getting ready for Mayweather-McGregor on Saturday night. There's, there's something I really hope does not happen in the Mayweather-McGregor fight. But if it does happen, I want to be watching it if it does happen. I'll, I'll explain. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, John Ramos, Ryan Music, Dan Beyer alongside. Uh, Beyer, I'm, I'm wondering, um, and you can hear Dan on the weekends on Fox Sports Radio, as well as week, weekdays on this show. Uh, there are three. There are three types of people, men. Okay, three types of people in this world, in watching sports injuries. There is. I don't ever want to see it. Don't want to see it. That that's that's guy one. Guy two is. I want to see it once 
so I can catalog it in my memory bank. Just, I need to, okay, I I saw it, I'm good, I'm good. And then there is guy three who, oh, God, I saw it. Rewind that. I got to watch. Is there another who watched Paul George break his leg at UNLV like 15 times, then sent it to all his buddies (laughs) and had them watch it 15 times? Dan Byer, what kind of guy are you? I'm a can't watch it guy. You never watch it. No, and my wife, my wife is the opposite. She can watch that and see it and goes, oh, my gosh, but I'm a can't watch it. Okay. Uh, John Ramos, what kind of guy are you? I like to watch it. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that goes, ooh, let's see that again. Yeah. <laughs> Ramos. Ramos. Uh, Ryan Music, which are you? I'm in the middle. I'm the guy who's, okay, I can see Paul George break his leg once so I can take in what happened, but after that I'm good. I don't need to watch it anymore. I just need to see it once. Uh, I am with John Ramos. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of uh, sports injuries. Uh, watching dudes break their legs in half. You know, like, um, I bring that up because, look, I don't want anyone to die in the ring. Okay? I don't want anybody to die. In a, I don't want Conor McGregor to die at the hands of Floyd Mayweather. But if he does die, I want to be watching it at the time. Because I don't want people to go like, oh, my God, did you see that he actually died? Like, no way. Watch it. Like, I don't want to be, like, the last guy to know. So I'm admitting, look, I'm just admitting that there's that part of my brain that I I don't, I really, really don't. Like, look, I'd like to see him, I'd like to see him look bad because I do think it it, uh, minimizes um, our kind of romantic belief in how skillful you have to be, how long it takes to become a great boxer. But I, I don't want him to die. Um, this is really interesting, and it was in the New York Times earlier today. Apparently, there's a bunch of, uh, there's 100 ringside doctors who's, there's a group of, of more than 100 ringside doctors whose members for decades of experience have worked hundreds of major bouts in New York, Nevada, and other jurisdictions, arguing that Conor McGregor, a mixed martial arts champion, who will be fighting his first professional bout, is overmatched by Floyd Mayweather's 49 and considered the best boxer of his generation quote we were very surprised this bout was even sanctioned and was going to be permitted to carry on larry lovelace a doctor and the president of the organization which is focused on preserving fighter safety like fighter safety is kind of like uh, kind of like civil war right like are you really that safe if you're going in there to get your head tattered by another man but n- nonetheless quote the thing i really fear truly fear is that somebody's going to really get hurt in this upcoming fight I don't want anybody getting hurt. But if they do get hurt, I want to I want to be the one watching it. And I actually think that um, I remember in in June Tim Haig, 34 mixed martial arts mixed martial artist turned boxer sustained fatal injuries during a bout against Adam Braidwood in Edmonton, Alberta. It was Haig's fourth pro boxing match after competing in 34 MMA fights. So these doctors, and look, doctors do that. They're extra cautious. You know, you sprain an ankle and the doctor's like, oh, you got to be on crutches for a month. You know, I, I know people who have, women who have gotten a C-section. They're up, not just walking around, but working out in the first couple weeks. And like, it's supposed to be six to eight weeks before you do anything. On the other hand, doctors sitting there going like, hey, you know, we, we clear these fights. This does not seem like a good idea. And there is precedent for a mixed martial artist actually getting killed in the ring. 
the problem with it is, any, while this points out how big a farce this fight could be, it makes me want to watch the fight more. I'm sorry that it makes me want to watch the fight more. So that if something does happen, I see it, and then I could go to find somewhere and rewind it and watch it again and watch it again and watch it again. Don't hate me because I'm honest. Um, do you remember the uh, what was the referee uh, uh, Richard Steele, retired referee? Remember him? He used to he used to referee all the biggest fights in boxing. I would definitely have it in mind of protecting the kid. The safety of the fighter is always going to be there, but it might be a little bit more this fight because the guy had never been in a boxing ring. All right, a major brawl in Major League Baseball. Real news or fake news? You will find out next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Every day at this time of the Doug Gottlieb Show, we try and round up as many interesting, funny, fun stories in the world of sports. And uh, we allow Dan Beyer the leeway of picking the game, picking the topics. We call it game time. This is game time. It's game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Danny B., what do you got for me? Uh, Doug, today we've got a good old fun game of... Real news, fake news. Real news or fake news. All right, let's do it. Real news or fake news. Benches cleared between the Tigers and Yankees in Detroit just minutes ago as Miguel Cabrera threw multiple punches at Yankees catcher Austin Romine. Uh, He gave him a... He gave him the, the one, two. I'm going to go real news. They're real, oh. and they're spectacular. It may be better than Mayweather-McGregor because Roma and Cabrera <laughs> were having some words at home plate. And you're right. It was a one-two punch by Miguel Cabrera, who had Romine for, by about six inches or so. Yankees and Tigers have been going at it all afternoon. Michael Fulmer drilled Gary Sanchez in his at-bat after Sanchez hit his 27th home run of the season. There's more jawing going on between the Yankees and Tigers. A brouhaha in Motown today, Doug. Uh, I, I think that's more than a brouhaha. I think that's a, that's a Donnybrook. <laughs> that I actually, actually believe that's a, that's, a, that's a Donnybrook. By the way, Donnybrook's coming up next hour. So right here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Donnybrook joining us. Uh, very funny. Fire. Uh, it is a Donnie. He'll Brooks. be here all week. Try the veal. We'll see if there's more uh, more fireworks between these two teams. Um, real news or fake news, Doug? Trade talks between the Knicks and Rockets involving Carmelo Anthony are heating up, and a deal could be done by next week, according I, to reports. I believe that's fake news. You are fake news. That is fake news. ESPN says the talks are stagnant right now. Rockets can't find a third or fourth team to get involved. Looks like more and more Mello could be in training camp with the Knicks this fall. I like it. Uh, the, the ball has stuck, much like the ball sticks every time Mello gets it oh. uh, on this trade. I mean, like, listen, you just said Donnie Brook was coming up next hour. <laughs> It'd be good. Be a good guest, you know. Hey, Donnie Brook, can you stay or right after the update? Can you stick around for ten more minutes? you got more to talk to him about. Uh, real news or fake news, Doug? Bills running back Sean McCoy did a lot of talking today. You talked about his comments about Colin Kaepernick. But McCoy told reporters that he's been told by the team he is not on the training block. Is that real news or fake news? Uh, fake news. They're real oh, and they're wow. spectacular. You would think maybe he'd be on the training block since Sammy Watkins is out of town. Ronald Darby was dealt as well. But McCoy says that he's been told by the team they aren't going to trade him. 
Sean McDermott said the same thing as well. There were reports earlier in the week that LaShawn McCoy would be staying in Buffalo and that the fire sale wouldn't continue. That is the case. LaShawn McCoy saying the Bills are telling him he's going to stick around. All right, stick, stick around. We need, some, we need somebody to go down with this ship. That's what they're saying. <laughs> I know. If I'm him, I wouldn't mind being traded. Why not? You're not going to win. Then you got to spend November and December in Buffalo. No thanks. Um, real news or fake news, Doug? The state of New Jersey now has a law that regulates and taxes daily fantasy sports. I'm going to say real news. They're real oh. and they're spectacular. Yes, it is. Chris Christie, the governor, signing it into law today. It's expected the taxes could bring more than $6.5 million to the state. It's the big companies that run daily fantasy games in the state of New Jersey that will have their winnings taxed at 10.5%. But daily fantasy going to make some money for the state of New Jersey. Well, look, that's why gambling will ultimately become legal. You know, that's why that you know the, somebody won the Powerball for over $700 million yesterday in Massachusetts for a long time. States wouldn't allow a lottery because they had their morals. And they're like, wait, we got our morals. We got to wait. It's, we how much money for our schools? Okay, sure. We'll do it. Um, <laughs> You know, and look, it's the same thing with, with the legalization of marijuana. We haven't suddenly changed. Our morals have changed slightly, but a lot of it is you can tax it. And if you can look at what Colorado is doing in terms of the amount of tax revenue generated by the legalization and sale of marijuana, uh, sports gambling is the, is the next moral to fall. One of my favorite things in doing research was the line that said, high school sports um, in daily fantasy aren't allowed. Good, good. I was going to bet on the Lincoln-Washington East Side game coming up uh, tomorrow. Um, real news or fake news, Doug, finally. John Ramos took his wife Suzanne to front row seats to see Celine Dion in Las Vegas in concert on their 10th wedding anniversary. I'm going to go real news. You are fake news. No, John John doesn't take her anywhere. So that is. I, 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 can, barely, I can barely pay for Donnie Marie. You think I'm going to Celine Dion? He's, he's going to see Donnie Brooke in Vegas, I think, next week. <laughs> oh, that is game time. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. First concert I ever attended was in Sin City. It was, I went with my parents with Jeffrey Osborne. Like oh, 10 years old. All right. Jeffrey Osborne. Can you woo Can woo, woo. woo, woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> Can you woo 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 woo? Or can you woo woo woo? You should be mine. All right. That's enough of my Jeffrey Osborne. Uh, he also, Jeffrey Osborne was also, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Right? Uh, yeah, my grandpa used to stay at the Dunes. That was Billy Ocean. Sorry, Billy Ocean. My bad. <laughs> Billy Ocean's one of those guys that when he spoke, he spoke with a with a thick, like, British accent. Then all of a sudden he'd sing, and he sounded like an American. That was weird. There's a lot of dumb people like me in this world, but it's even dumber to give them a platform. I'll share that with you next. What up? It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from Sin City, Las Vegas, site of Mayweather McGregor. A man, Brian Kenny, who is a boxing expert and also works for the MLB Network, will join us. Some fireworks in uh, Detroit, Yankees and uh, Tigers scrapping. We'll get to that in about 15 minutes. Look, one of, the, one of the great things about social media is a bad thing about social media. It's that we see a snapshot of society we can see into real life. Like, so I, I've brought this up. So many of the... Things that people have reacted to, sometimes protested, are, um, you know, Facebook Lives or Periscopes of things, to which you think you are seeing 
something live as it unfolds because it's live as it unfolds. But it's from only one perspective. And it's also important to remember that things that are recorded and then played on Facebook or wherever you get your social media, the, the great thing about it is anyone can go on Facebook Live and talk about any topic. It's a lot like a podcast. Anybody can have a, you can have a podcast. Can you get anybody to download it? And what I've learned, whenever you tweet something out that might be a dumb tweet, like, oh, man, I'd like to take that back, is all it takes is one retweet, and then it's out of your control. Then it spreads like wildfire, and it takes that one moment, that one thought, no matter who it is, and it can be reacted to. Um, Apparently, there was some posts on Twitter of a Celtics fan burning his Isaiah Thomas jersey. Now, look, I don't know what's dumber, being an adult male and buying and wearing some other younger adult male's number, likeness, name, and uniform, um, or and burning it, or the fact that you would burn somebody's jersey who is traded away, like, Isaiah Thomas, he may have his flaws as a player, but he kind of gave his guts to that team, did he not? So the idea that somebody's going to buy a jersey, and look, I'm not jersey guy. I will buy my, my son has plenty of football and basketball jerseys, whatever. Like, he wears those. It's one of the reasons I don't want to take him out of private, a public school. I'm not, he likes to wear jerseys every day. Why not? A great jersey collection. But, but... I don't, I don't walk around wearing a jersey. I go to sports games. I'm not, I'm not a jersey guy. And, yeah, I'll be a little bit critical of jersey guy. It's okay to wear a hat and a T-shirt and the colors of your team. But once you start getting, unless you want to be creative with it, right? Like if you're a Jets fan, if you get a Joe Klecko jersey, that I can get down with. You know, if you're a Charger fan, you wear a Lance Allworth throwback that I can, Dan Fouts, that I can get down with. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, you're wearing a Larry Bird jersey or a Bill Walton back when we, right? Or a, a Cornbread Maxwell jersey, a John Havlicek jersey. Like, I can get down with that more so than a grown man wearing an Isaiah Thomas jersey. But even the guys, I, like, look, that's how you want to wear your team, wear the new jersey, support your guy. Cool. And then you're going to burn it? Okay. Then you're going to burn it because he was traded away? Like, that's silly. It's nonsensical. But if one person does it, should you really engage? Like, that doesn't speak to the masses. Even when LeBron James left Cleveland the first time, because everybody thinks he's going to leave the second time, and there were people burning his jerseys, that wasn't thousands of people. It wasn't like the book burning in Berlin. Right? That's not what it was like. It was some idiots burning his jersey. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he did leave in his own volition. He did leave as a free agent as he was able to raise $2 million for. I, I could defend him on and on. The point is that we take one tweet and it becomes much bigger than it was. We take one action and it becomes. This is one of the issues with some of the protests. Look, I'm not saying police brutality doesn't exist. And having not grown up black, I don't know. I can tell you, I've been treated poorly by police officers. Like, look, white people get treated bad by, by police officers, too. 
maybe not the same percentage, maybe and because of the arrest rates, it doesn't feel the same. And that, that would be, there's statistical analysis that would be totally fair. On the other hand, like, I, I think if you, if you take a snapshot of any one arrest, it will depend on that one person at that one particular moment in time. And sometimes we reacted to one thing and thought that spoke to all cops or that spoke to all members of the military. Remember the Abu Ghraib uh, pictures? Like, not every member of the military was demeaning with photos and torturing captured prisoners. So LeBron James did what I, I, I personally, th- personally think he should be above. They, they say that in, in, some, in media, they'll say, don't punch down, right? Don't punch down. Punch up. And there's nowhere to punch up for LeBron James other than maybe the tops of corporations. But he tweets out the burning of the, of a, the jersey thing is getting ridiculous now. The man was traded. Why do you not understand? Playing the game after his sister's tragic death. Gordon Hayward paid his dues as well. He's decided what's best for his family, put in the work, and got better, became an all-star, etc., etc. He goes on. He's giving a voice to people who don't deserve his voice, don't deserve his platform. He's LeBron James, dude. LeBron, don't punch down. Anytime you retweet a story about a burning jersey, now I'm like, what burning jersey? What was it? Now I'm searching out to see exactly what took place. It's like when Shaq and even MJ responded to LeVar Ball. I like, look, at least LeVar Ball is a name, is a personality. Some dude on Twitter is not. Some guy, and it doesn't matter if you have an egg or actually have uh, your likeness as your avatar. The fact is that to the rest of the world, you are an egg. (laughs) You're an egg. You don't matter. To LeBron James, you shouldn't matter. And he shouldn't take it to be some, there's some huge movement to burn guys' jerseys when they leave teams just because one guy did it. One guy did it. He's a dope. You can make fun of him multiple levels. First, you're dumb enough to buy a jersey. Second, you're dumb enough to buy an Isaiah Thomas jersey. Third, if it was an Isaiah Thomas jersey, shouldn't it be an extra small? And it extra small doesn't fit you. And fourth, maybe most importantly, why the hell are you buying a jersey, burning a jersey of a dude who got traded away? Like, that's the dumbest thing ever. But you know what you don't do? Don't tweet about it and give it LeBron James's voice. That gives it some sort of credibility. Like, whether or not you think he's the greatest player you've ever seen or not, like, he also can't. Superman and Batman didn't go, they don't go and solve every little problem. <laughs> they just don't. Right? Like, Batman has the bat logo. Right? But don't call, there's a cat in a tree. Don't call Batman for that. Call Batman for when Gotham's about to fall. All right? I'll go down to the cave. I'll get in the car. I'll get in the chopper. I'll get in the, the Humvee, and I'll come save Gotham. Why don't call me for everything? Like, Superman's working, like, he's working there at the desk at the, the Daily Planet, right? He's got the glasses on. Do you think he reads the papers? Like, oh, man, there was a robbery over in Times Square. I got to go fix it. No. Superman only handles the big problems. And if you're LeBron James, you have to think of it as you're Batman, you're Superman. When you, when you need me, come get me. Otherwise, I'll be hanging out at the mansion. I'll be hanging out at the mansion. All right, coming up next, Brian Kenny is going to be our guest. Works for the MLB Network. Did you see something that had never 
happened before. Baseball, like, look, I don't like these when you have to find something clever to say it hadn't happened. And, like, one of the things I don't like about uh, kind of the new age sports centers, you have to find a stat to validate something that happened in the game that hasn't happened in the last 18 years. But Major League Baseball has been around for a long time, over 100 years. Something happened in Major League Baseball last night that has never happened before. Ever. Ever. And it happened against a team that is on pace to have the best record in the history of the sport. The the most wins in the history of the sport in the regular season. We'll ask uh, Brian Kennedy to give us context on it and exactly how good are the Dodgers. That's upcoming next, but first. On Saturday, August 26th, the fight world's two biggest titans will clash. The undefeated, the legendary, the best pound-for-pound boxer on the planet, the king of the ring, Floyd Money Mayweather, collides with the UFC's lightweight champion, the best striker in the business, the king of the octagon, the notorious Conor McGregor. What happens when the greatest boxer of our generation steps into the ring with one of the world's most dangerous men in a battle of the biggest names in the business, it's boxing's best, meets the master of mixed martial arts in an unprecedented matchup when perfection meets power something has to give as these these two face off in one of the most anticipated fights in history will floyd mayweather jr at 49 and 0 with 26 knockouts remain undefeated can the mma superstar conor mcgregor silence his critics with just one punch orthodox versus southpaw perfection versus power confidence versus experience who will reign supreme Mayweather and McGregor face off in a boxing match for the ages. Mayweather versus McGregor, Saturday, August 26th at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on pay-per-view. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So, uh, brawl just took place in uh, Detroit. We kind of caught you up on. And uh, uh, Miguel Tejada, it it uh, it kind of felt like he, Miggy felt like he started it. Now, Miguel, did I say Miguel Tejada? My bad. I went old school on you. Uh, sorry about that one. I'm, I'm watching the brawl play over and over and over again. Um, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera uh, got into it with Austin Romine. They started jawing. Romine took off his mask, and that's when uh, Cabrera stole on him, went a went, uh, little combo left-right, didn't hit him with the right, did hit him with the left jab, and all you-know-what broke loose. And people are being critical of Gary Sanchez, who's the other catcher for the Yankees, coming out, of the, coming out um, from the dugout, and while... Cabrera is being held down, he comes and lands a punch. All right, now, look, this might not be comfortable to any of you, but I'll just tell you, I fight dirty. Okay? Don't care. We're in a fight. I fight dirty. I bring this up because uh, one of the things that drew me away from playing pickup basketball, I love playing basketball, and I used to always play at this uh, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. game Sometimes they play at 9. You dr- 9 o'clock, you drop off your kids. You go play ball. Then you go to work. Obviously, my workday schedule. 
Not, not terrible, especially when you're in Southern California. So I played with a group of guys, and uh, one guy who I did not know was talking all kinds of trash. He's playing good the game before me, and I took that as a challenge, and I lit him up, and he got really upset that I lit him up. And so he wanted to guard me the next game, start guarding me the next game. And when I went by him going up for a layup, you protect the ball, you're going up your left hand, you protect the ball with your right hand. I happened to catch him with a bow in the face. Now, if you know basketball, basketball actually is a contact sport. Not a collision sport, it's a contact sport. And in case you catch a bow in the face. Uh, this proceeded where he, everybody just got ramped up in terms of the trash talking, the intensity. And another guy on his team actually took a swing at me. And I felt like I had to defend myself and I was tackling him as he was trying to punch me on the sides. And so I uppercutted him to his male region. And when that didn't work, I grabbed him in his male region and twisted. And you know what? He got off of me. He was bigger than me. And I fight dirty. And I bring this up because uh, Gary Sanchez, yeah, it's a dirty thing to come in out 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 of the dugout. And try and land a haymaker. On the, other, on the other hand, it's a brawl. It's not like a brawl in Anchorman where you say not nothing above the neck and nothing below the, the waist. Right? Sanchez hit a home run. And Sanchez uh, today, Sanchez has been thrown at. So I'm sure that's why Sanchez wanted to get in on the brawl. But he got in on the brawl with, uh, uh, with Miguel Cabrera. We're joined now by Brian Kenny. You can see on the MLB Network, of course, also here, I'm covering boxing. We got a bunch of stuff to, to talk to you about. Yes. Um, uh, really good brawl. I don't know if you saw on your phone. Yankees, I did, yeah. yeah Yankees, I just saw Tigers. You see Gary Sanchez came out of the dugout. I don't know if you saw he landed a punch. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, who's kind of being held back as Austin Romine was trying to was trying to fight him. And I said, hey, like, it's a brawl. I didn't. I don't really is, – do you have – is there certain things you're not supposed to – you're not allowed to bring the chair out of a dugout, right? right? right. The folding chair is no good, Doug. We know, we know this. That, that's Bush League. Um, but, no, you're supposed to – from all these guys that I work with at MLB Network, they often tell you, like, what it comes down to is square up. So, actually, among these crazy unwritten rules, these, you know, the, the rules of the jungle yeah, yeah, yeah. and the playground that these guys observe, you're supposed to square up with one guy and that's your guy. And then you got a guy, and that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, so sucker punching or running in from the outside is 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 a, a breach of protocol, shall we say. All right, breach of protocol. Uh, what about <laughs> Sanchez, Mr. August, Gary Sanchez? I mean, he's the numbers in August, last August, the numbers mm-hmm. in this August are are ridiculous, and it's, it's covering up Holiday's uh, terrible second half of the season with mm-hmm. the injury and the weird illness in Oakland. Judge is, you know, doing the windmill with all the strikeouts, still hitting the home runs. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Yankees, who as of today would be in the playoffs, but are not nearly what we thought they would be maybe going back two, three months ago? Right. I, and I really like the trade that they made, too. I like the trade with the White Sox to bolster things to get Frazier, Robertson, Canely. I, I, I think they're – I. It's, it's strange they're only, what, like two and a half up or whatever it was when I got on my plane last night over the Twins. I mean, and because that AL wild card, that's a lot of mediocrity. Well, you got to be able to beat those teams. I mean, look at the run differential. It's crazy that, yeah. that they're even in the discussion. Right. The Yankees are a plus 128, and the Twins are a minus 33 in right. run differential right. for the season. It's a, it, it's really it, – yeah, you can go the that's baseball and losing and winning one-run games, but the Yankees should be a lot better yeah. than their record yeah. would tell you right now. And I think they are going to be. And to even get into deeper into the weeds, they also bought Sonny Gray, right? Jaime Garcia. I mean, right. they added innings. They should be able to put away the top wild card spot pretty easily. I think the, the lesson we learn with Sanchez and Judge 
is small sample size theater, right? Like in any window, the best player, with the exception of the best player in the game, they go through these like low end, you know, slumps, and they'll go through these hard charges. Just like why there's why are there playoff heroes, Mark Lemke, uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes, because in a one week period, anybody who is good enough to play in the major leagues can tear it up. So yeah, Sanchez is hot. And, uh, you know, judges relearning, readjusting the slider is killing him. He'll likely make those adjustments. He has a high baseball IQ, and you have to look at the totality. But guys will rise and fall all the time. Um, Mike Trout's played 82 games. How many does he have? To, does, can he play enough games to win the MVP? Because you can make the argument this is his best season. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's, I mean, statistically and, you know, um, percentage-wise, yes. I mean, he's like a 450 on base, 700 slugging. He's a monster. Um Yes, volume does matter. Um, I'm not against giving a guy, you know, 120 games. Maybe that's where he lands, 125. But you got to be much better. I would probably favor Jose Altuve, who's played the full season. But I don't. But look, using wins above replacement, right? People, you know, rally. Oh, war! What are you doing? Well, that's a good economic model. It's a good way to say, how do you judge? Uh, a great guy at 120 games and a very, very, very good guy at 155 games. Well. Wins above replacement helps you do that. And if at the end of the season, Mike Trout leads the American League in war, I tell you what, it's a good indication he's played enough. Well, but, but and look, Altuve's wins above replacement, and it depends which calculation you use. I use actually, baseball reference war. All right, is, war. Is, is lower than, than Altuve. Like, my argument against Altuve would simply be, look at the lineup that he's surrounded by. And uh. you can't... You, I, I know you. Uh, I know you, baseball guys. You, like you can't. On. You you mean to tell me you think it's easier to pitch to? It's as, it's the same pitching to Jose Altuve in that lineup with Gonzalez, with Reddick, with Springer, um, with with Carlos Correa, as opposed to against. I mean, Anderson Simmons, who I didn't know he, I didn't even know he could hit. Like he was just. We, the, he didn't know either, but he can. Right. Yeah. Now <laughs> he's the second best hitter for the oh, Angels been, this year. He's been pretty good. Yeah. He's been very good. Yeah. But but. Again, if that's your second best hitter in compare, and I mean, Pujols is a shell of himself. Yeah. CJ Crone, like that's yeah. who you're throwing out in comparison Crone to what is the normally Ast- pretty good, but he's not. And yeah. what you're throwing out in comparison to the Astros? Yeah. Well, I will tell you this: you're a man of science, a man of logic. Yes. We've known each other a long time. What they have found, they what they have found, yes. is protection in the lineup has a minimal effect. I, I, I know it seems like it doesn't. A lot of things don't seem like they're happening, you know, in physics, and yet they are. And so, yeah, when you're thinking, hey, I could pitch around this guy and get to this guy, that's going to happen all the time. Well, he might draw more walks. Like, was it last year that Mike Trout had an insane amount of walks in a 440 on base? So, yeah, that's what was happening to him. So it can happen, but on the by and large, it really is a minimal effect. You got Reddick behind you. You don't mean tell me that he's seeing better. He's Josh seeing better. Reddick, like Josh. Redick is Josh Reddick's you know, having a like, very good no, year. No, no, he's good. But come on, this is what you say. It's not Lou Gehrig. He's good. It's it's a good lineup up, up top to bottom. Do you remember Josh Reddick that wore a Dodgers uniform? Do you remember that guy? How did that that guy frighten you? Come I know. on. He, You're he, a man he, of logic. Right, Be let me, logical. Let me ask you about the Dodgers. Something happened in baseball last night that has never happened before. Really? Oh, the no-hitter thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rich, Rich Hill, first perfect game. Then he has the no-hitter into the 10th inning. You thought? It, did you think he was going out there for the 10th? No, I, I was on the plane, so I wasn't watching it. Oh. I, I didn't so, live it moment to moment. So he goes out there. He only had 94 pitches out through nine. Goes out there for the 10th inning and gives up a walk-off home run. Loses the game on the one hit he gives up. And crazy. Uh, who, was playing, who was playing in center field? I think it was, uh, was it? No, it was, uh, I think Granderson playing in left field nearly made a an unbelievable running catch. I mean, missed it by oh. maybe a yard. Oh. And they, you hit a, 
Um, what's what's the one thing in baseball that you've seen happen once that had never happened before? You study this thing. Is there is there anything you can think of? You sitting at that desk at MLB Network because uh, last night they they actually hmm. they actually went and interviewed Harrison after the game and said, "Hey, uh, Josh Harrison, you realize you did something that no one else in baseball has ever done: walk off home run to break up a no hitter in the tenth inning." Can you remember ever being on, on set uh, at either of the two places? Huh. Not anything like that. The most stunning things I've seen in baseball was on the last day of the regular season, a couple of years back, yeah, the yeah, Rays yeah. and the Red Sox losing. It was like, how is this happening, this confluence of forces? The other one was Nelson Cruz going back for the Texas Rangers, game six of the World Series. Remember, it was, was a David Freeze triple, and the, the Cardinals came back and won it. Like, that was the most stunning one thing One strike I've away seen. twice. The, the Cardinals were one yeah. strike away from losing or Rangers from winning the World Series. Right. That was that's about stunning. But, as far, but there are. That is the, the beauty of the game is fluky, weird things like that do happen. And, by the way, like – we're so obsessed with no hitters, like uh, you know, I don't know the variance of the batted ball. I know this is very you know. No, no, I agree. I know, no, I, I no know hitters, it. no hitters, wildly overrated. Like yeah. I think what Manny Machado did last week, where he had three home runs and the third of which was a walk off grand slam. Like that's better yeah. than anything any but, any like, no hitter I've right. ever well, seen. How about George Springer taking back over from over the wall what would have been a walk off grand slam and ending the game? He did that for the Astros like two years ago. Like yeah, there's phenomenal things that are just better than a fluky. Now a perfect game, uh, okay. Now you're, you're selling me a little bit more, but a, a no hitter with a couple of guys on base that goes back to the 19th century. As I write in my book, ahead of the curve, available on paperback now. It's, <laughs> I it's, actually it's, have it in my that, car. Uh, it's one of the ones I gotta. I have you to get really to. have to get to it. I know I've heard this, uh, but that's what I said. All these things come from the 19th century where walks were the problem of the pitcher, not the skill of the hitter, which we know is not true. So that's why we love no hitters to this day. Just right, it, they, they they're fun, but they're as you say, wildly overvalued. Um, okay, in baseball, the guys have fi- you know we figured they figured it out in baseball that forget about as you have said, don't ever bunt, don't ever bunt. Guys have stopped bunting. Not ever, most, guy, for the most part. Yeah, on but the putting marks, together yeah. a rally is too difficult. And so when you look this year, was it thirty four percent of the time? It's either uh, strikeout yeah. or, or home run. Oh, yeah, strikeout, walk, walk or, or home, home run. run. The three so true you, outcomes. Right. So you don't need anybody else on the field. And so the home run numbers are way up. Yep. The strike all, t- all time. The strikeout numbers are way up. All time. Runs being scored are up as well, yeah, right? Yeah, normal. Right. Okay. But so you have all these things being up. Analytics, kind of guys finally getting smart about, like, what are we doing trying to get these? Forget about choking <laughs> up and trying to punch one to right field. Correct. Swing for the fences, boys. It's, right. it's a much more efficient way to play. That's but, the, yeah, but it's really hard to watch. Yeah, no, doing where every this is almost like three point shooting in the NBA. Just because something is efficient doesn't mean it's good for the game. So you're right, and that that was your correct word was efficient. It's the best way to score runs is to know your strike zone. These young guys know the strike zone. They have it cold. They really do know it. They'll take their base, but when the ball is in the zone, they will attack with viciousness. So when they do that, they're looking to hit one out, not looking for singles. And you know what? Strikeout is only a little worse. Than a ground out. We, we know this now. So they're reacting properly. Then the question is, what does Major League Baseball do about it? Yeah, what and do you I do? think uh, you got you to do something about it. Do you move the fences back? Might be fences. Might be mound. Might be mound lower. Might be mound back. I know that's like people like lose their minds when I say you can move the, the mound back. But by the way, if it was the 19th century, they moved the, the mound forward and back all the time. So it can be done, and it might take. You might have to change the bats. You can't allow these guys to have these tiny bats with the big cudgel at the end. You, you're going to have to do something drastic to get the ball back in play. Uh, are the are the Dodgers as good as their record would tell you? 
Yeah, no, look, it is what it is. I have trouble wrapping my head around that, too. Like, how are they better than the 75 Reds? Well, not just like, that, how but, not, they... but, not just that, but, but like, th- the thing of me, just having a watch, to, I'm like one of the few people in California that can watch. You get, you get it. I can all actually right. watch the Dodger <laughs> game is, uh, and I listen to all of them, is like 38 come from behind wins gives me, makes me super queasy about the postseason. So mm-hmm. there's the historical, are they really that good? You have right. so many guys who feel like uh, they've gone to the minors and figured things out. Uh, and then you have the just the reality of 38 times coming from behind. Like at some point that magic wears out. It's been, I mean, just find a way to win games. Contextualize the Dodgers and what they've done from 21 and 18 to now 89 and 36. It's obscene right. this right. run. But it, but it is real. Um, the run differential says so. They're not getting win lucky. I think what they are is they are so much deeper than everybody else. They have, they throw so much quality at you. They probably are more like the 2001 Mariners, which was a great team, but with a rotation that was high end but low volume. They're fragile, and their best players are guys like Turner, who we you know is 32 years old, and uh, Chris Taylor, who we never heard of before this year. He was terrible last year when he got called and up. He's playing five positions, and he's terrible. So, but. But that, that Mariner team, by the way, John Olrood, Edgar Martinez, Brett Boone, Ichiro, right? Like, nobody's in the Hall of Fame yet. Ichiro will get there. But, right. but you know what I mean. But then the, the Freddie Garcia had a great year. Aaron Seeley, you know, uh, uh, who's a soft left-hander for the Rockies. Jamie Moyer yeah. had a great year. So, like, in the context of that season, they were all very, very good. Maybe that's what this Dodgers team is. But I, don't, I, I think we should be making a bigger deal about it. They're better than the it 27 is, Yankees were at the same point in the season. Better. Is, we gotta, we're going to talk boxing with with you in a second. Brian Kenny joining us. You'll be here covering the Fox prelims. Uh, the prelims of the fights on Saturday on Fox. But I, I've said this to people, like having just moved back from New York City to Southern California, mm-hmm. I hope you people understand that if the Yankees hadn't won a World Series since 88 and they, they're on pace to have the best record in the history of baseball, it would be a much bigger thing. But it's yeah. the Dodgers, and yeah. I can't figure out why it's not that big a thing. I did, I, that, I did a rant on MLB Network on that yesterday. And I think, one, we have trouble wrapping our heads around it. Uh, one, because you actually brought up TV. Like, how big is it in their own network? The TV deal still hurts them. Um, it is West Coast. We have an East Coast bias. That's where most of the audi- TV audience is, sure. and the media still is. Um, and the other part is, I think, the way it played out, we just got used to the Cubs being the super team. And then this year, we have a very, the, you know, primacy bias. The, that anchoring is powerful. So this year, the I think the Astros got off to a 42-17 and 17 start. The Nationals were like 20 games over 500. So we had all these super teams, and we have the Cubs in our mind, and there's the little old Dodgers starting 11-12. and 12. Then they shoot past everyone, and we can't wrap our, like, we can't digest that yet. So I think you're right. Like we've got to get on this more and say, hey, by the way, 27 Yankees, 39 Yankees, 61 Yankees, 29 A's, 75 Reds, 70 Orioles. The Dodgers are better than all of those teams at this point, the same point in the season. Brian Kenny, we'll find out what he thinks of how legitimate a fight uh, the main event is in a moment. But first, let's find out what's trending. Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports Radio live in Las Vegas. So uh, 15 years ago, 15 years ago at the SoCon Conference Tournament, I was paired with Brian Kenny, and uh, we're driving around Charleston, South Carolina, which is an unbelievable city. It's like (laughs) one of those, I had no idea this place existed on Earth, and how do I get back here? Anyway, and we were talking, and uh, uh, Brian Kenny, by the way, is working for Fox Sports, the blow-by-blow announcer for Mayweather McGregor 
uh, prelims on Fox this Saturday night, seven p.m. starting at seven p.m. Eastern time. And among the things we discussed uh, on those couple of days that we were together was this was the sweet science of, of boxing. Mm. And also the fact that you said I have all these big ideas and thoughts and I got to get the hell out of Oklahoma City. Before. <laughs> well, I wondered how we were talking politics for a while. Truth be told, I think yes. we were talking social issues and politics. And I said, you're saying this on your radio station in Oklahoma City? I go, you got to get out of there. You're not, you're okay, not so, going to so get I, out. I know, <laughs> I know this can't happen because of the De La Hoya and the Mayweather camps. But. Like, my romantic image of what should happen Saturday is the Triple G Canelo fight be the co. Just give me two fights. Give me that one and give me the Mayweather-McGregor. So I got a legit big-time championship mm-hmm. fight, mm-hmm. and then I have this kind of circus where nobody really knows. Everybody thinks they know what's going to happen, but they don't know what's going right, to happen. Right, right. I don't know. That, that's, I, would, I mean, I think you could charge 250 a pop, and people would buy that thing. No prelims even needed. Well, here's what it is. It's like economic necessity they didn't need it like this fight has transcended not just combat sports but sports like you i'm sure this like dominates a good part of your day i can't tell you how many i can't go anywhere without someone so what do you think about the fight and i don't even have to ask them what fight it is or do you think he has a shot you know like it doesn't stop so everyone wants to know everyone is thrilled with this fight for whatever reason it ignited this like, incredible amount of interest, so they really don't need to cater to the purists. Like, look, Gervonta Davis is actually an excellent fighter. He's got a world title at 130 pounds. He's great. You'll love watching him if you pay your 100 bucks or if you're going to be watching it inside. But uh, they didn't need to put, like, some... I mean, Sean Porter was on the Fox card, yep. and he bowed out, and Sean Porter's world-class and a former champ. So I saw him in a CBS fight. He fought at Barclays. Uh, against Keith years. Thurman? Yeah. Oh, it was like fight of the year stuff. Yeah, no, he's, stuff. he's legit. He's, he's one of the top welterweights. But he bowed out personal reasons. So they had a real, you know, they had a real champ, like, basically on the card. But they didn't need to. You know, remember when Floyd, actually, they had uh, Danny Garcia, Lucas Matisse was on the undercard of one, yeah. Canelo and Floyd. Yeah. And that made it a blockbuster. So I'm with you. Can you give us another great fight? But I don't think they felt it was necessary. Um Okay, is this like you're a boxer and a boxing aficionado, and you're mm-hmm. calling you're calling these fights like from a boxing perspective? Most boxing guys are like no shot. Mm-hmm. Is it no shot or is it? Uh... As we know, even in our study of baseball, yeah. everything is about probability, right? Right, and so the probability obviously is low. Floyd has been on a steady diet of world-class competition for 25 years. Connor, like, maybe has a brush with it with, like, some of his boys back in Ireland, you know, like Stevie Collins and his brother and a couple of other guys that can give him that type of work in boxing. Um, but the guy's heart is in boxing. He was trained coming up as a boxer. He fights MMA as a boxer, basically. Um, so it's while it's very unlikely, I tell you what, looking at his preparation and the way he's going about it, It's not like he has no chance because if he goes in and doesn't expend his energy, doesn't try to out-jab Floyd and just waits for his spot, I tell you what, there is a path to where he could hit and hurt a 40-year-old guy who's been retired two years. Yes, it's possible, and only because the way, McGregor has not gotten an extra boxing trainer to say, hey, teach me how to box. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight the way I normally fight, and it's much better, better to go in totally unorthodox and don't give Floyd a conventional fighter to fight. 
Because that's what he's always gone against. Yes, and if you go in like Sugar Shane Mosley style, or you go in like even like Frankie Edgar is an MMA guy who boxes, boxes very well. Frankie Edgar would just get outboxed by Floyd. Whatever Frankie Edgar does, and he does it really well, Floyd does better. But Connor going in, and actually, if the best thing that can happen is Connor walks in and stands in front of Floyd and just stands there and doesn't throw a punch. Wait and see what happens. Engage a little bit. Wait for a counter. Because if he goes in, hey, let me jab with him. Let me see if I can throw a five punch combination. You're not going to do that to Floyd. It's not going to happen. But his chance of tra- waiting for an opening, sliding in, and fighting unconventionally for one night, it's possible. Brian Kenny joining us. Uh, you will hear him working for Fox Sports, blow-by-blow announcer for the Mayweather-McGregor prelims live on Fox this Saturday night talk, starting at 7 o'clock Eastern time. I have long contended that the true genius, outside of the genius in the ring of Floyd Mayweather, is in at least the last six, seven, maybe even decade years, mm-hmm. has been the selection of who he's going to fight and when he's going to fight them, right? Right. Canelo on the way up, but before Canelo was right. was was refined enough. Uh, and Pacquiao, as you called him on, he delayed, delayed, delayed. Yep. And by the time he fought Manny Pacquiao, he was a shell of his former champion self. Correct. Isn't that what this is? He Yes. He, Yes, it's let me make whatever $150 million against against not Keith Thurman. (laughs) Much smarter. A guy making his pro debut. Uh, Again, of course it's But why do we all buy in? Like, we all, like... Yeah, well, here it's, it is. It's like people, it's, you walked away from the Pacquiao thing saying, I was conned. Damn it, I'm never buying another one again. <laughs> Not again. And then you're going to be sitting around, people are going to be sitting around Saturday night, and their wife's going to be like, remember last time? You're like, <laughs> yeah. Connor, man, you don't understand. Connor yeah, right. can do it, man. Yeah, I've, right. seen, I've seen Connor do he, it. He has belief. He yes, can do it. You don't yes. know the, the power of the Irish, right? All this stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But I, look, Floyd at one point was had eight title defenses at 130 pounds. Eight. And remember, he complained about his slave contract. It was like $11.5 million, if I'm correct, from HBO. And so Floyd, back then, felt the sting of being great, being one of the top pound-for-pound for, pound for pound fighters in the sport, in the world, and yet the money was not flowing in. So what he learned as of the Arturo Gatti fight was, let me pick a guy that y'all love and make you hate me. And that works beautifully to this very day because why is this really selling it's really selling because people want to see floyd get beat that's what they want to see he's built that he play. he learned to play the heel he was not the heel his whole career he was pretty boy floyd and he was like i'm just going to be sugar ray leonard this is going to be great and then he learned i'm not getting rich i'm getting paid but i'm not getting rich he's learned how to get rich is he like i mean we some of some people describe him as the greatest fighter of our generation you have a much greater perspective on how good Floyd Mayweather historically should be should be viewed as. How do you view him? He deserves to be in the conversation. He deserves to right. But if if you put him in the middle of the 1980s, is he able to go through Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran? I don't think he's able to go through that without a loss. However, I think his boxing skill would make him a dominant world champion in any era. I'm talking from turn of the previous century all through the decades. He could fight and box anybody. He could box Sugar Ray Robinson, and he might win at his peak because 
you can't take that skill away from him. And he can buy, he could he would be the guy in the 40s and 50s that would also fight 15 times in a year. He could do anything, any era, any style. Now, the greatest fighter I've ever seen with my own eyes is Roy Jones Jr. So he's not the greatest that I've even ever seen. And yet I can't say he doesn't deserve to be a pound-for-pound pound all-time great. Even when I say eight title defenses at 130 pounds, like Hagler had 12. And that was his basic, you know, his, the standard of his career. So even what he did before he got super famous and super rich, you know, he was, he was already a Hall of Famer just from what he did there. So, yeah, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Steph, he's Steph Curry, son of, of somebody who was in the sport, and he does something which it's hard to relate to. Would he be one of the all-time greats if he was in the 80s when, mm-hmm. it was, when, when, when his division was stacked? But you do have to respect the amount of skill that he has because if you don't, there's 49 people who have already uh, met their, their boxing maker. Uh, it's going to be great to hear you on the call. It's even better to see you in person. Uh, give out the book again. and Ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. That's right. It's out there. If you want to learn about baseball and get away from all this bias that you've had, let, you've sunk <laughs> into your head because you've been away from me for so long. He's Brian Kenny. <laughs> Check him out on Fox at 7 Eastern on uh, Saturday night. Yesterday I said the Cavs-Celtics trade was good for both sides. Colin Cowherd said there's one who's not happy about it. Who's unhappy? Find out next. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Something happened uh, today. I found myself saying something today that I, I didn't think I would ever say. Find out what that is at the top of the hour. Colin Cowherd um, is uh, part of our network here at Fox Sports Radio. So is Dan Patrick. So is uh, uh, Clay Travis, who I think appeared on, what, CNN and uh, well, he was on Fox News, I know, uh, the last couple of days. We got a great lineup. But sometimes we like to combat the things that they say on their shows and comment, it, come on, comment about it on our show. It's something we call... And now... All right, Colin was talking about the Kyrie Irving-Isaiah Thomas trade. He had this to say, day two. There was a trade in the NBA yesterday between Cleveland and Boston. Boston got Kyrie Irving, best player in the trade, and Cleveland got a bunch of stuff. I find it very interesting when thinking of LeBron James that you think he sees the world like even other NBA stars do, and he does not. The idea that LeBron is satisfied this morning is absolute lunacy. Folks, it's different for LeBron. He's not just a great actor. He's running the league. LeBron sees the world differently because when you're at the top of it, Hollywood, Wall Street, you do see the world differently. Say this out loud. LeBron James is satisfied losing the best closer and the best player he's ever played with, and he's satisfied with an 18-year-old, a 5'8.5-point guard with a bad hip, a bench player in Jay Crowder because he's not starting over LeBron or Kevin Love, and a seven-foot prospect. Have a hard time believing this morning, LeBron, man, he just loves what he just saw. Don't buy it for a second. In fairness, LeBron James does, I think, respect Isaiah Thomas as a tremendous closer. I believe he's second in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring uh, this past season. And Jay Crowder does give them some defensive versatility. And Zizic is a big guy who most people think can play, can give him a big off the bench, and it gives them a trade pawn or the possibility of getting Marvin Bagley in the upcoming draft lottery. So I don't think that we have to be as cynical 
of what the Cavs got. I think that if LeBron James is smart and he is about basketball, he realizes this is probably the best that they could do and maybe even better than they thought they would do when Kyrie Irving went to management and asked for a trade. What does the fuck say? All right, uh, updates as of today. As of uh, as of today, Conor McGregor is still the dog, plus 400 dog, Mayweather minus 550. August 24, 2017, I just said something to myself I never thought possible. Tell you what it is next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio, live and direct from Sin City, where the sun has appeared. Had thunderstorms last night, thunderstorms in the morning, but the clouds have parted and the desert is hot as we await Money Mayweather. Taking on the notorious Conor McGregor. Saturday night on pay-per-view. We'll preview it for you. How legitimate a chance does Conor have against uh, arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter of of a generation of fighters? It's pretty impressive what Floyd's been able to do, not just in uh, the actual result in the ring, but how he's been able to kind of manipulate the system to fight the right guy at the right time and still have full arenas and have even fuller uh, kiddies, if you will, from the, pay, from the pay-per-view buys. So we'll get to that upcoming this hour. Yesterday there was a demonstration in New York City, Midtown Manhattan. If you've ever been to Midtown, like Midtown's different than the rest of Manhattan. When, when you come to New York City, you're not from New York, and you go to uh, Times Square, that's, that's in the Midtown area. That's where Broadway is. It's very, there's two things that happen there. Tourists come there and people in suits uh, all the networks are based there as well. But, like, look, people live on the Upper East, Lower East, Upper West, um, Soho, Tribeca. You go downtown, there's other places of business. But it's a weird confluence of big office, big office buildings, some high-end shopping, uh, some very high-end retail, and some tourist traps. Probably in that, in that order. So there's a, a protest there, which to me, regardless of the protest, you can get getting in and out of New York City if you're by the uh, the FDR Drive, which is on the east side or the west side highway. That's not that bad when you're not in rush hour. But there is not a time in the day which you can't go across Manhattan. Like, it's a thin – you go across town, and it takes forever. I mean, the example is I used to – when I worked in New York City a couple months ago, I could drive in and out of the city. I could get in in 45, 50 minutes. But to get cross town, that's another 45, 50 minutes to go 20 blocks, 30 blocks. It's crazy. So there's a protest, and look, it's, it's not a secret. New York City is an incredibly liberal city. It is one that uh, has been hit with all sorts of strife because there have been some moments of police, of, of suspected, accused, and some found guilty of police brutality. Um, the I Can't Breathe, that, that came from, I think it actually came from Staten Island, but that was from New York, which led to a ton of protests, which was picked up by the NBA. But Colin Kaepernick was supported at a rally of more than 1,000 people. Chance in the demonstration included boycott, boycott. 
A women's march organizer, Tamika Mallory, addressing football fans, said, I don't care how long you've been watching football. If they don't stand up for your children, turn the damn TV off. Now, look, I'll point this out, and this is an absolute belief of mine. Not protesting is not saying anything that happens is okay. And I have heard NFL players say that, and I I just I think that's incredibly wrong. Just like you have the right to protest, you got the right to not protest and just go about your job. Reverend Jamal Bryant, how in the world can we call ourselves the land of the free, the home of the brave, and you get vilified and criminalized for just speaking your mind? I don't believe Colin Kaepernick has been criminalized for speaking his mind. And though he may have been vilified by some, it was also because he was wearing pig socks. He wore a Castro shirt. He said that cops were murderers. It wasn't, he wasn't taking as much of a conversational stance as much as a controversial stance. And he did so during the National Anthem. And even then, like, let's, let's remember, as much as it was a controversy, this is forgotten. He was the backup at that point in time. He still was able to be elevated and became the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. So... If there was this massive black ball league wants him out of the league conspiracy, well, then why did he end up getting a starting shot ahead of Blaine Gabbert with the San Francisco 49ers? And if he was so good with the Niners who did not have good talent, I can't support that he had good talent. And he did opt out of his contract because they did tell him he was not part of their plans. Why wasn't he part of their plans? Maybe LaShawn McCoy, Shady McCoy, the Buffalo Bills, can tell us why. It's a lot more than just um, he's not he's not on the team because of if he doesn't want to stand for the national anthem. I think it's more than that. That may have something to do with it, but I think also has a lot to do with his his play. There's certain players that can be on the team with a big distractions, you know, and there's other players that they're not good enough or it's worth it. I think his situation is not good enough to, to uh, have him on the team with all the the attention that comes along with it. So what he's saying is not that the protests are wrong or that he's wrong to protest. One of the things is that that people end up, and we do this with the Bible, we do this with the Constitution, and we definitely do it with uh, with with people's comment commentary. Is we cut it up and we only take the ones we want, right? Well, it says in the Bible. It says a lot of things in the Bible. There are a lot of things that said in the various books of the Bible that you would not use, you could use to counter any of your arguments. It says in the Constitution, it says a lot of things in the Constitution, many of which are not pointed out. You simply point out the Constitutional Amendment, which fits your argument. So, look, this is something I never thought I would say, that LaShawn McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, same dude who was alleged to have knocked out an off-duty police officer in a bar fight in the offseason. LaShawn McCoy, who, of course, did call Chip Kelly a racist, right? LaShawn McCoy, Shady McCoy, super productive and yet super opinionated and has had some issues off the football field. He's had his, remember he had the all-women party? Didn't he, didn't he have kick a woman off of a, his bus or something like that? It was craziness. Like that's it's not a guy who you normally would think you would say this, but August twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen, 
I think LaShawn McCoy is the voice of reason here. He didn't say that the protests have nothing to do with it. But he said, like, look, let's contextualize it here. Contact Kaepernick ain't that good. I've seen him. I've played against him. Like, he's fine. He's all right. He ain't that good. And if he ain't that good and you're, you're on the border of being good enough to be on a team or off a team and you bring attention to which diverts attention from the places to which coaches and front office people want, then they're not going to sign you. It's more to it than just the protests. And the, and the protests are a portion of it, but it's some of the things that come with the protest, and it's some of the things that are just football. I mean, look, I, I think speaking out on things in, a, in an interesting perspective uh, can, can help your cause. Then you have LeBron James who used Twitter to go on a rant about fans burning Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward jerseys. Let me just ask you this. Did you know before I just said the sentence that Isaiah Thomas or Gordon Hayward, their jerseys were burned? Ryan Music, you're avid on Twitter, social media. You covered this thing for a long time. Were you aware this existed? I actually had no idea. Okay. But the reason you know is because LeBron James tweeted about it. You're like, whoa, 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 what is this? What is this burn? Do they have a jersey burning party? Right. I would say that. From a producer's standpoint, if I check Twitter and I just see videos of fans burning Isaiah Thomas or Gordon Hayward's jersey, I go, wow, those are some dumb fans. Now, if LeBron James is going to talk about it, I'm going to come to you the morning before the show and go, dude, look, LeBron is responding to these irrational fans, and then it becomes a thing. Well, it's, it's one of the things about social media, which is somebody says something smart, it can spread like wildfire. Somebody said, says something controversial or dumb, it can equally spread like wildfire, and it can make it seem like there's more of it than there actually is. Like, I, I, I told you, I'm not saying that there are no racists in the world, but these complete, th- these, um, like, the, the Nazi, the white supremacists that marched in Boston, right? Like, that was the perfect example. There's like a hundred of these wannabe Klansmen inside a, a park square. And there's like 40,000 people outside of the police barrier, marching in counter-protest. Now, if you're on Twitter, I mean, people follow some, like somebody on Twitter, they'll, people will drop them. They'll call you the worst things on earth. But those aren't real people, and it's not a real sample size of humanity. For the most part, humanity has moved on to the 40,000 outside of the police circle and 100 inside. That's about the ratio of racist, true racist remaining in our country. There's still a racial divide, but let's not act like it's 50-50. It's not. It's not. And the more you perpetuate that fraud, the more you say, more you say, look, I saw it on Twitter. If you lead with I saw it on Twitter, then I'm kind of done with you. I kind of, you know. It's like somebody, when you get into a car with them, an Uber driver is like, hey, I want to try something. I saw it on a cartoon once. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I got to get out of this car. I got to get out of this car. That was car. Favorite favorite cartoon growing up. I told you yesterday what mine was, Ramos. You heard that, right? It was uh, Tom and Jerry? No, oh. I like Tom and Jerry. I like Tom and Jerry a lot. My kids watch Tom and Jerry more. It's, uh, wasn't it Coyote Roadrunner? Yes, Coyote Roadrunner, oh, but, okay. but it's the Roadrunner. But I like the ones where Wiley, it was Wiley Coyote Super Genius. I don't know if there's some of them were Wiley Coyote Super Genius. I'm Wiley Coyote Super Genius. Meep, 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 meep. <laughs> Steve Farwood from Showtime joins us up coming next. He's been covering boxing for 40 years. 
I'll get his thoughts on Saturday night. Is this good for the sport? Is this bad for the sport? Is this the end? Is this the last we will see uh, Floyd Mayweather inside a ring? Because the greatest fighters always get carried out. They don't walk out. We'll discuss that upcoming next. But first, this Saturday, August 26th, the world's two biggest titans will clash. The undefeated, the legendary, the best pound-for-pound boxer on the planet, the king of the ring, Floyd Money Mayweather, collides with UFC's lightweight champion and the best striker in the business, the king of the octagon, the notorious Conor McGregor. What happens when the greatest boxer of our generation steps into the ring with one of the world's most dangerous men? In a battle of the biggest names in the business, it's boxing's best meets the master of mixed martial arts. In an unprecedented matchup, when perfection meets power, something has to give. Is these two face off in one of the most anticipated fights in history? Will Floyd Mayweather Jr. at 49-0 with 26 knockouts remain undefeated? Can the MMA superstar Conor McGregor silence his critics with one punch? Orthodox versus Southpaw. Perfection versus power. Confidence versus experience. Who will reign supreme? Mayweather and McGregor face off in a boxing match for the ages. Mayweather versus McGregor. August 26th, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on pay-per-view. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live from sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. We are... Like everybody says, they're on the strip. I never forget. I got to tell you guys this story. You guys don't know this. So, Colin and his ex-wife and my wife and I, we came here. This is, oh, uh, man, how old is Olivia now? This has to be, I'm going to say, man, this is probably like 12 years ago or something. He used to have a condo, I don't know, about three miles from here. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's just off the strip. Right? And so I thought it was one of these, it was... Well, well off the strip. I'll share with you the, the details of my trip to Vegas with Colin Cowherd, who used to be a broadcaster here. Colin will be in town for the fight on Saturday. Uh, but we're joined by Steve Farhood, who uh, he's been, how are you, Steve? He works for, uh, Good for Showtime Boxing, of course. He's the editor-in-chief, serves as the editor-in-chief of Ring and uh, KO Magazines. And he joins us here uh, on the Doug Gottlieb Show on, on Fox Sports Radio. So, look. This is what you've done for the better part of your professional life. You love this sport. Yes, sir. And it is a sweet science. And um, the more I've learned about it, the more I've learned that there is a science to it. There is a method to it. There are adjustments that can be made in fight that can help a guy win. With that in mind, as a boxing aficionado, when you see a guy who's never fought a professional fight before and is not truly a boxer come in and get a title shot, get a, a shot, excuse me, against arguably the greatest pound-for-pound fighter in this generation. How does that make you feel? You know, I don't get angry because the economics of the situation are what they are. These guys are making a huge amount of money. There's a uh, obviously a tremendous interest in this fight. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. So I don't get angry, but I do get angry about one thing. And I think as a, as a top-level athlete yourself, you can appreciate this. No one says, I could walk into a batter's box and hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. The average fan doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I can go across the middle and catch a Tom Brady pass and take a hit from a safety, or I can go one-on-one with LeBron James. No one says that. Yet everybody seems to think 
that they can box because it's so elemental. We all did it. We all fought at some point in our lives. You got a guy who's never fought before stepping into the ring with the best in the world. You wouldn't see this in any other sport. And his, his fan base thinks that he has a real chance. The, the odds in Vegas have told us that. So I think there's a little bit of pressure on Mayweather to show that what he does for a living and what, the skills he's mastered are just as specific and just as awesome as the skills that an Aroldis Chapman has or a LeBron James or anybody else. I think boxing, the, the ability the top-level boxers have is sort of not appreciated as much. And I think this fight might show the average fan how good these boxers really I, are. I, I, kind of, I kind of agree with you. By the way, Aroldis Chapman gave another run today. Yankees blew another. Bad, bad example. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, he just has not, not the, not the, Mario, you were better with Mario Rivera than you were. Yes. Always better with Mario Rivera than going. Uh, Steve Harhood joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Okay, so um, show me the path. Like, what's the path to a, a chance that he, that McGregor can win? Like, are you just hoping for the one punch? Was it? Help me out with this, okay? I have a good, I have a very good memory. It was. Isn't that how George Foreman beat Michael Moore? Wasn't it the one punch? Right? Sure. It was. It isn't it. Isn't that really the the hope that he has that his style is so awkward because it's not conventional. He's fought against conventional fighters mostly. He's never fought against the guy who holds his hands, who steps and moves and punches the way he does. I mean, he still kind of slap punches. He doesn't doesn't really snap his punches. Yeah. That's the hope, right? That it could be the one punch, isn't it? Yeah, that's his only chance. He's he's not going to have finesse Floyd Mayweather. And the longer the fight goes, he's not going to be effective for 12 rounds. Remember, the the entire timing of a boxing match is all new to him. You know, he's used to five-minute rounds, etc. For me, this is the best-case scenario for Conor McGregor and for everyone else. Come out fast. Try to win. I think he'll do that because he's a champion in his own right. What does go, go, go for it and try to win mean? It means throw punches. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you hit air. Throw punches. If you get countered, you get tired, you get stopped in five rounds, you tried to win. He saves face. He can go back to his world. And unlike Floyd Mayweather, he has an athletic future because he's only 30 or whatever he is. Floyd's done. So I think if that happens, Floyd's happy. He's 50-0. and 0. McGregor's happy. He saved face. He tried to win. And the fans at home who paid a lot of money on the pay-per-view are happy because they were entertained. So that, that's the perfect scenario, but he's got to go for it early. You, you mentioned 50-0, and as I mentioned, Steve, you were the editor-in-chief of Ring Magazine and KO Magazine. What does it do to his legacy that he's smartly, and, and financially, it's been financially beneficial, but he's smartly manipulated this thing to, he fought Canelo before Canelo was ready to fight him, and he fought Pacquiao way after he should have fought Pacquiao, and now he's fighting a non-boxer, in what would be his 50th and final boxing match. Like, how will that affect how people like you, true historians of the science, view his career? Well, I don't, I don't rate Floyd Mayweather as one of the greatest five or six or seven fighters in history, but I do think he's an all-time great. The reason I don't rate him as high as fighters from the past is not even his fault. You can't fight in today's scenario, in today's boxing world, and be and do what Sugar Ray Robinson did. Sugar Ray Robinson at one point was 135 and one. And if you look at the names he fought, he fought nothing but great fighters for years and years and years. Today, if our biggest names fight twice in a year, it's a lot. So it's impossible to accomplish and to build the kind of resume that the old-time fighters did. And that's why they're rated higher than a Mayweather or a De La Hoya or whoever you choose to to pick from today's. So it's not really only about Floyd. Look, the most amazing thing to me about Floyd, should he go 50 and 0, is not that he never lost a fight but that he won 50 fights, mostly against very high-level opponents, and only had about two or three close fights. That's really remarkable. It is really remarkable. My idea, and again, I understand that 
the reality of the fight world is it's about your promoter. So the Triple G fight against Canelo is what? Uh, uh, that's uh, Oscars. That's being promoted by Oscar De La Hoya. This one's a Mayweather, Mayweather production. And so it, it could never happen. But for somebody who loves the sport, and I love my sport of basketball, I, I just there's not a celebration of the sport better than if you had dual main event, the Triple G fight first, into the Money Mayweather fight. Like, that would have been, you know you would have gotten a legitimate great fight. Two great fighters. And then you would have had this. I don't know, to me, that would, instead of, don't even have an undercard. You could have charged whatever you wanted for it. I guess, is it just finances? That's why it never happened? It's finances, but it's also the nature of the boxing business. It's, it's a sport, unfortunately, as great as it is, and when it's good, I think it's as good as any sport. That shoots itself in the foot all the time. This is for a hundred something years. You know, it, it's it's not structured. Will, will that ever be fixed? Because no. it has it has reappeared on some network TV. Oh sure, sure. You do have there is, but like I, I would challenge people. Like I'm a sports fan. I've done this my job for 15 years. I don't know. I don't think I know who the heavyweight champion of the world is. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who. I don't know who the heavyweight okay. champion. Right. The 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 cat from Alabama. Deontay Wilder. Deontay right? Wilder, but I don't think he is. Well, Anthony Joshua is another champ. When you have more than one champ, there's a problem there, Doug. You know, and that, that's the world we live in. Yeah, I mean, like, but, like, we used to have it in college football where you have the AP and, the, and then the coaches or whatever, and Georgia Tech and Colorado split one year. But there was one champion at the end of the year. No, Well, not in football. Not in college football, football they split. Yeah, right. But I'm, what I'm saying is, like, the heavyweight t- division not having a dominant champion, not having somebody American worth watching, whatever, for whatever reason, that lost our attention. I don't know. Is there any way to get it back? Well, one thing we have to understand that the playing field has changed, and it's not about America anymore. That you know, America dominated the heavyweight division for a hundred something years. Now, Anthony Joshua is the biggest name in boxing. He drew ninety thousand people at Wembley Stadium when he fought Klitschko. It's not about America anymore. You know, it's it's a big world out there. Boxing is big in England. It's big in Germany, uh, in other places, and it's not as big in America. It's been a marginalized sport in America. So we have to accept the fact that it, there's a globalization going on, as there is in other sports. You know, show me, outside of the Williams sisters, show me an American female tennis player or, or even a male tennis player. You know, it's, it's fascinating. UFC, obviously, trying to expand and go overseas as well. Like, that's, that's the big uh, part of, big part of, of their market. Um, what about combat sports and MMA? How do you view this in terms of what it, will, what it could do? If he gets embarrassed, does it hurt the legitimacy of UFC? Well, I think there's a good chance he's going to lose. If he tries to win, again, tries to win, throws a lot of punches, does what he can do within his skill set, I don't think he will be embarrassed. I, I don't think so. At least maybe the MMA world will be a little surprised because they seem to think he has a legitimate chance, but the rest of the world won't be. And it'll be a reconfirmation of boxing and the skill level that you have to have to be a top boxer. So I, I don't think, look, MMA, t- for me, for someone my age, I'm 60 years old, it's very generational. I find like 45 and over, love boxing, don't like MMA. 45 and younger, not so big on boxing, bigger on MMA. That needs to change for boxing. I'm not sure how to do it, but boxing can take a, 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 a hint from UFC as to how to promote itself. No question. There's, and, there's a little, and, and one of the things it has that, that boxing doesn't have is even if the guys are fighting less often, they fight a little bit more often, but they also, the, the best guys fight the best guys more often. Right. Now, they, it's, they've had trouble building up champions because it also causes them to lose right. readily. Right. And they have their own. John Jones just tested positive for steroids after being declared maybe one of the all-time greats after one fight coming off of a, a cocaine suspension. So right. they, they right. got issues. Sure. Um, they got issues of their own. Last thing, um, I, I look at I, I look at uh, at this fight 
and I'm trying to figure out why the press conference was so subdued. Like, it went from wild, almost like a Jerry Springer show, yeah. to really subdued, I guess professional, but a, com- a completely different tone than every other part of the promotion. And then you kind of factor in, Floyd has said, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. I'm not lost a step. And the, the box, the, the glove size changing, I don't know how much that actually affects things. Was, was, there a, was that part of the marketing plan to be so subdued? Are they bummed out that there's not going to be as many people or the buys or the ticket prices? or Why do you think it was so subdued yesterday? Well, I think maybe McGregor has his game face on, and the realization has hit him that screaming and getting in Floyd's face and everything else was great, but now there's a fight to be, to be had and to be held. And I think that that's sort of affected him a little bit. Now, I think Floyd at the press conference took the lead from McGregor. McGregor spoke first. And McGregor was very subdued, as you said. So Floyd wasn't going to start going crazy. You know, there, there was nothing to respond to. He wasn't given anything. It's almost like a counterpuncher needs a, a puncher to, to give him something to work with. So I was surprised. This is a pay-per-view fight. The more buys there are, the more money for those two guys. Um, they were very subdued, and I'm su- surprised. But I think maybe the realization has set in with Conor McGregor that it's time to, it's time to get game face. Has Floyd trained well enough to look you know, to, to look like uh, a dominant fighter if challenged. Well, he's tried to make it look like he hasn't. But I think that might have been a marketing ploy. Um, you can only go by history. Floyd Mayweather's been mentally and physically focused for every fight of his life. That's why he's 49-0. That's why he's dominated every opponent. With, given what he has to lose here and given that his legacy is on the line because he's fighting a fighter who is seemingly so inferior, I can't see him not taking this fully seriously. And 40 years old, yes. Will he act his age all of a sudden? That's McGregor's best chance. You, uh, you're a historian on this. If McGregor wins, how big an upset is it? Well, the odds would tell you it's not that great an upset. To me, it's the biggest upset in sports history. No doubt about it. Steve Farwood, of course. Uh, Farhood, sorry, sorry, Steve. Steve Farhood, uh, who, of course, you can see on Showtime. He's been an on-air uh, analyst for as long as I can remember, and an absolute historian on the sport. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Speaking of fights, we need you to break down the Yankees-Tigers uh, brawl, which... When? Which today? Which today. We'll show oh, i got to go watch. We'll, okay. We'll show, it, we'll show it to you. You can see if you like Gary Sanchez coming out of the dugout, uh, throwing a punch to Miguel Tejada, who was being held back by somebody else. I don't want to be the guy having to hold Aaron Judge. That's all I know. <laughs> that's, that's very, very true. <laughs> uh, when will we see Ezekiel Elliott back on the field? Find out after we find out what's trending. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you from the city of Las Vegas. Um, was that Collins' quarterback tears that he has? He's got his, who's, and from, uh, oh, ESPN has their tier of quarterbacks. Um, I'll give you my own kind of tier of quarterbacks. We'll break that down for you before we conclude the show. Tomorrow we'll continue to ramp up. We get ready not just for the fight but also for the kickoff of college football, which occurs this Saturday. So there is some, there is some college football uh, to watch and some, some college football to lay a little bit of cash on. Uh, two games on Saturday, South Florida. There's several games, actually. on uh, There's two top 25 games. South Florida is ranked. That's Charlie Strong uh, leading South Florida and Stanford taking on Rice. Also, there's... Oregon State, Colorado State, BYU playing, Hawaii playing. So um, I think there's four or five games, five games on Saturday. There's uh, And then next week you got a full slate of games starting Thursday night. 
Before we get to that, let's run through as many stories as we can. Let's get to Dan Byer for the press. The press. Dan, what do you got for me? Doug, let's start out with just some of the stuff that you may have touched on earlier on this show that some people may have missed. Caps forward LeBron James going on Twitter. A five-tweet rant, if you would say, about those Celtics fans that burned the jersey of Isaiah Thomas. LeBron sending out the tweets. One saying, quote, the man was traded. What do you not understand? End quote. That from LeBron James today. Yeah, I don't understand why LeBron would use his platform to give them a voice. Just because some idiot burns a uh, Isaiah Thomas jersey, like, so what? So what? Like, you know, if a tree falls in a forest, does anybody actually hear it? Bill's running. Uh, ba- oh, I'm sorry. Just no, it's moving okay. along. No, I What's think it was the sound well of said. one hand clapping. These are all <laughs> philosophical thoughts. <laughs> Bills running back LeSean McCoy told reporters today that quarterback Colin Kaepernick, quarterback Colin Kaepernick isn't good enough to be a quarterback in the NFL, at least the distraction that would go along with him. When asked to compare Kaepernick to Michael Vick, who, remember, served that prison sentence for dogfighting, McCoy said Vick was 10 times better as a player than Kaepernick ten. was. 10 times better. Ten. I don't know if he was 10 times better, but he was, significant, he was a significantly better football player um, and significantly more impactful football player. And the difference is his crime was he actually committed a significant crime as opposed to Colin Kaepernick, who committed no crime. But the point is, like, you can have issues and still get a shot. But remember, when Mike Vick came back to the NFL, now granted, he had served time in prison 18 months. But he didn't come back making huge money. He came back as a backup with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he had to wait until Kevin Cobb. Looked like Kevin Cobb, spit up all over himself. He got an opportunity. He became an MVP candidate. So, I mean, part of the thing with Kaepernick is when he went and visited Seattle, Seattle said, eh, you know, we think he's more of a starter. That signifies to a lot of people he doesn't exactly want to go and show up with his, uh, with his gym shorts and just go throw the football around and be willing to take backup money. Let's move more uh, other ways in the NFL. How about let's head down, down to Dallas where Tex- or Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott expected to make his preseason debut this Saturday against the Raiders. Doug, it's going to come just a couple of days before his appeal on a six-game suspension will be heard on Tuesday. But Zeke will play this Saturday against Oakland. Yeah, they've said they have a plan for how to play Zeke, how long to play Zeke, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I guess the, the question is this, um, how do you – how do you intend to keep Zeke fresh? You know, are you going to give him? Are you going to give him carries in the in the second half of a preseason game? Um, you know, with an inferior offensive line because you want to get him carries in the preseason. But now you're sacrificing Alfred Morris. You're sacrificing Darren Fadden and Ronnie Hillman. I, I, look, I think they're pretty well prepared for the regular season with Alfred Morris and 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 with uh, with Darren McFadden. If you watch them against the Indianapolis Colts, that offensive line was outstanding. I think the big question is how much do you want to protect Zeke going forward? It was the brouhaha or the Donnybrook that we talked about. It's now a final in Detroit. Tigers beat the Yankees, but not before all of this. Whoa, Miguel and Austin Romine are going at it at home plate. An exchange of words, and then Romine took his mask off. Miguel shoved him, and they're on the ground pummeling each other. Both benches empty, trying to separate those two. Holy smokes, the bullpens are emptying. 
out of nowhere, Miguel Cabrera started having oh, words exactly. with Austin Romine. They're still Blows going at it. were exchanged. Romine has been hauled away. Miguel has been hauled to the ground, but now he's over by Romine again. And there was a little taste, Doug, on the Tigers radio network. I think it's good for baseball, man. <laughs> I do. I knew it. What? I mean, isn't it? Right? Like, you have one of the best players in baseball over the last decade getting into a uh, getting into a kerfuffle with Austin yeah. Romine. Well, look, the Detroit Tigers are 55-71. and 71. There is no reason on earth to pay any attention to them. They've won just two of their last ten games. And Doug. Just, Justin Verlander is a shell of his former self. Right? Uh, they, they've actually won, I think, yeah, they're two of, two of the last ten. They've um, they've won, I think, only uh, three of their last 15 games. I mean, they're bad. Justin Verlander's not, not very good anymore. I mean, even Miguel Cabrera's hitting 254 with only 13 home runs this season. They just, they've gotten old and they've gotten average in a hurry. So now all of a sudden you watch this highlight and it's a reason to watch baseball. It's... People who try and take fights out of baseball, the same people who try and take fights out of hockey. That's sometimes what we watch it for in the middle of the season. There is also another storyline you mentioned, Justin Verlander. Verlander and his teammate, Victor Martinez, actually were going at it in the dugout because at one point during one of the three brawls that they had where benches cleared, Martinez was seen talking to Gary Sanchez and some of the Yankees. And so Verlander and some of his Tiger teammates did not take too kindly to that. Martinez then had words with his own teammate in the Tigers dugout. So something just to follow. Um, Giancarlo Stanton, by the way, hit home run number 47 for the Marlins today. They beat the Phils 9-8. Uh, finally, let's end with this. As part of the Candid Coaches series done by CBS Sports in a survey of college coaches, Doug, Michigan head coach John Beeline was the high major coach that other coaches genuinely believed does everything by the book and operates completely within the NCAA. NCAA's rule book, and it wasn't even close. He received a whopping 26.6% of the vote as they tallied college coaches. Who was second? Mike Bray of Notre Dame. And then Tony Bennett and Greg Gard followed tied for third. Yep. Yep, those are about right. Uh, I, I, ju- I also think if you look, all of them have been successful, and it's it's one of the uh, it's one of the, the points that it, it's a misconception of college basketball is that you can't win doing it the right way. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Now, Big Ten, by the way, has been known as a conference to which uh, not a lot of funny business goes on, especially in basketball. And uh, and in basketball, I mean, I can tell you, when I was at Notre Dame, obviously John McLeod was the coach. We weren't, you know, nobody got anything. At Virginia, kind of same thing. I, I think it happens more often than not, guys don't get anything uh, in terms of financial. A lot of that... We pay attention. It's it's similar to kind of how we started the day, right? Just like we pay attention to these salacious stories on Facebook, on Instagram. LeBron James tweeting out this uh, video of, you know, a couple of Celtics fans burning an Isaiah Thomas jersey. Like, that's the exception. The rule is most people felt great about what Isaiah Thomas brought to the Celtics. A lot of people are sad to see him go. Uh, everyone, Everyone kind of was attracted to him based upon how he handled the tragic death of his sister, all, all of that stuff. And, but we, we're just, as, as human beings, we're attracted to the negative, and we think that the negative is a representative of a higher percentage than it actually is. Is Dak Prescott under or overrated? Is Aaron Rodgers the best quarterback in the NFL? I'll give you my tiers of quarterback next.
With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. It's interesting. Um, I was discussing with some friends how Rex Ryan wasn't great on the game broadcast. It was that uh, Monday night against those Giants-Browns? Uh, it was his first Monday night game. And I, I said, like, one of the things I think I've worked with Beth Mullins. She's outstanding. She's not outstanding because she's a woman. She's outstanding because she's outstanding. Um, but she's going to do a Monday night game with Rex. And she's going to do, I guess, one CBS game as well. And I, I got to say that one of the things that's really, really hard, if you have somebody who's green as a broadcaster, and yesterday we had uh, Dave Revson on, who I did my first game with. I'll never forget this. It was both of our first game ever. We did, like, uh, Charlotte, don't call us UNC Charlotte, against Colorado. It was like a four-team deal in Charlotte, Colorado. And we called some games, it was like on ESPN2. This was in uh, late fall, early winter of 2002 and i had called like two games before he had called a couple games in college before and a couple games professionally and our boss was watching and we thought we killed it and we're in the car coming back from the arena halton arena in charlotte north carolina going to our hotel room and he called us and we're like how'd, he's like how'd you think yeah like, oh, we thought we did great we're like, you guys were terrible let me tell you why <laughs> and he kind of starts kind of going through it, it you're not going to be the best representative of yourself in the first year doing it I've told you before, I think Romo will get better. One reason is I think he's going to be pretty good, but also he's going to be doing two games a week. The more you do, the better you get. And he's also just out of the league, so he'll know a lot more and teach a lot more about the league than anybody who's been out of the league for a couple years. And Rex Ryan has that chance too. But when you're working, as much as 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 Beth Mowens has been doing this for 15 years or so, she's never covered the NFL. It's a different rhythm. You can't, when you're covering college football, not the NFL you aren't you're you're not accumulating the amount of hours of data it takes to these guys that Ian Eagle, for example, Ian Eagle is a genius. Okay, he would he's bright enough to be good at anything he does. He has instant recall, but he's also called the NFL for twenty years, so he can reference, hey, this thing happened ten years ago in this game. And when you don't have that, you have you basically have a green announcer, even though She's experienced in the field. She's not experienced in the field of the NFL. I, you know, I think you end up setting her up for failure or for disappointment because of it. Plus, she's only doing a couple of games. You've got to do a bunch of games in order to really get your feet wet. Um, ESPN has a 50-person panel of insiders. They have five tiers of quarterback. The top tiers, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan. Andrew Luck was in the second tier with Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins. Dak Prescott is in the third tier. Uh, Carson Wentz also sneaks into the third tier. I think these are pretty reasonable. I guess my issue with Breeze would be I know his defense has been bad, but they just haven't been good. The numbers are obscene what he puts up. But there has to be something there. Two years ago, he turned it over a lot. But, I mean, they're not even, they haven't even been competitive in, since, since us, uh, Bounty Gate. Uh, I think Matt Ryan, intellectually, is a top-tier quarterback. I think skill set-wise, 
I don't think he can do what Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady can do playing in bad weather. I kind of think it's Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Rodgers and Brady above everybody else. And then there's a bigger group in the middle, and that group would be Big Ben, Breeze, Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Stafford, and Luck. And then I think tier three, frankly, I think Eli, Eli Manning's one of those guys that's more clutch than good. Right? It's Joe Flacco. He's better than Flacco, but it's similar in that in the playoffs, their numbers are sometimes better. You, you, this is what Derek Jeter was. You know, Derek Jeter can be counted on to be the same guy in the playoffs he was in the regular season, whereas other guys have wild ups and downs. And I think Kirk Cousins is more tier three, but he's been put in the position to be tier two because he plays for one of the best offensive minds in the game. All right, we'll talk more about these tiers of quarterbacks, and we'll, we'll compile a list, get ready for the season, and then adjust the list as we get midway through the season. Ice Cube's going to join us tomorrow. So, too, will Amy Trash. She's the CEO of – she used to be the CEO of the Raiders, but she's the CEO of the Big Three. And Jim Jackson will join us. We'll talk about the Kyrie IT trade and, of course, get you ready for the big fight. Live from Las Vegas, this is the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.